So, I'd like to have a reading together. It's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Kind of a, a part of the Bible that we read this time of year. And I'd like to try and unpick it together. And there's some real gems in there that perhaps aren't talked about very much, at least I'm not sure I've heard some of the thoughts before, so hopefully there's something fresh. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, I did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people. From their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I was thinking, when I go to heaven, which I am going to, um, I'm going to meet a man who's probably going to come to me and say, hello, I'm Mary's husband. <laughs> because poor Joseph, he, he is never the main act, is he? <laughs> It's always Mary, and I'm going to kind of respond by saying, hello, I'm Angela's husband. <laughs> oh. um, there's some fascinating things about Joseph, and there's, there's actually three topics, I think, in this passage that I'd like us to just reflect on. One is Joseph, the, um, the one who was supposed as the father of the boy Jesus. Um, of course, the boy himself that was um, being promised here. And then a little about the angel, or not, not so much the angel himself, but more the, more the message. But I wanted to say that I was, my attention was first arrested by what Matthew writes, right at the beginning, and, and you get it in verse one of the same chapter. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came. Now, at the beginning, which this narrative is about, he wouldn't have been known as Jesus Christ. The angel didn't say to Joseph, call him Jesus Christ. He said, call him Jesus. And, of course, Matthew is writing retrospectively. So he's looking back and he's giving Jesus a bigger title because, of course, he is Christ. And we've got this narrative and it's amazing what's in it we'll come to that in a second but it's about a little boy who would be given the name jesus 
and he would become known as to some as Jesus Christ and that's because the little boy had a calling an anointing that's what Christ is the Messiah and it's just for me if there was a title it's a little boy with a huge calling and that's really what we're celebrating um, some of us were in the hall last night with Gid's uh, party and it was overrun with little kids or it seemed to be and um, you know you just see that um, little little people developing and, and it's an amazing thing and it just touches me to think of the Lord Jesus as a little boy and he was just known as Jesus at the beginning and it's actually a Greek version of Joshua so probably not an uncommon name um, and that's what he became when he arrived and uh, we can just imagine him going through all those developmental uh, processes turning into from a baby into a little boy into a youth into a man and um, it's just amazing to think that this is as we'll see Emmanuel God with us but let's uh, first of all talk about Joseph and I just wanted to um, pull out a few expressions that are used and think about them a bit so the first thing we read about Joseph is that he was pledged to be married and even though the term divorce is referred to and um, Joseph is identified as Mary's husband it's clear that they weren't yet married so we in our culture and in our society would say here's a couple who are engaged to be married and you just have a sense that Joseph and Mary were a couple who really had the honouring God as their priority and there was no shortcuts there was the commitment to each other and at this point it's as though uh, the betrothal period was a kind of time of of commitment and testing um, pri prior to marriage to the extent that if a couple who were betrothed engaged decided to break it off then the expression divorce is used so we're not talking about a couple who are married but we're talking about a couple who are committed to each other with the intent to be married and you just get the sense that here is a kind of orthodox um, Jewish couple and they're committed to each other and they're committed to the law um, of the Old Testament so that's the first thing about Joseph and then you've got this curious expression and it, it makes my imagination go as to what kind of dialogue accompanied it but it says that Mary was found to be with child and you kind of think well what happened did she just suddenly become well not suddenly but eventually become obviously pregnant and Joseph would have been thinking what what's going on here shocking thing for him given the commitment to each other and their orthodox commitment to the law um, I can't imagine that happened uh, it was such an amazing thing 
for Mary to be told that surely she, she must have explained it to Joseph. And I can just imagine the dialogue. And he would say, what? You're pregnant, but you, you haven't been unfaithful to me? And she, she would say, well, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's God working in me. And um, I think we have to conclude that that must have happened, that she would have shared that with, with him. But we also conclude that he didn't believe it. So he was a person who um, was bewildered by this. He loved his fiancée. This unbelievable story was coming at him that she'd been told by an angel that um, she would have a child as a virgin and that he would be um, the Messiah. And I I can just imagine Joseph saying, I'm sorry, love. I can't, I can't accept that. And the next thing he says, it says that he's a righteous man, so a man of principle, and he had to do what's right. And so he decided that a divorce was required. So it's pretty clear that he didn't believe her story, and I, I am speculating that she told him, uh, but I think it's a, it's a fairly safe speculation. Why did, he, why did he take that decision at this point? And I would say that it was to protect his own reputation. So for Joseph to be a righteous man, that's how he's described, then he, he couldn't let this thing happen and just you know, not be seen to be making a stand. So here he is, um, a man in love with Mary. I'm, I'm putting them at late teens, early 20s. I don't know why, but that's how I see them. And he's devastated with this news. And he, he just can't believe the story. So he decides, I'm going to divorce you. And then a man of integrity, I'm going to do it quietly, Mary. You know, divorce was to protect his own reputation doing it quietly was to protect her reputation. You just have a, the idea of a, a very well-rounded man who was a man of principle, a man who was prepared to act on principles. And then it says, actually in the NIV it says, after he considered this. In the older version, in the King James Version, it says while he was considering this. And you've got the sense that Joseph is a a very reflective person. And I can just imagine him being kept awake at night. You know, this story that that Mary has told me, um, I wish it was true, but, you know, it's hardly hardly likely. It's unbelievable, really. Um, And so he'd resolved to divorce her quietly. That was his decision. But you, you get... Um, a sense of a man who was, was not superficial he wasn't, he wasn't just um, a knee jerk reaction to what was going on this is something that he reflected on, he, he'd made a lifelong commitment or was about to make a lifelong commitment to her and it was while he was struggling with the dilemma 
and having made those decisions, I, you know, to maintain my own integrity and my own reputation as a man of integrity, but also to be sensitive to Mary, I am going to divorce her, I'm going to do it quietly, and then he has his own vision, and the angel comes in a dream, and he corroborates exactly the story that Mary had told. And <coughs> just imagine the change in, in Joseph's demeanour. No longer devastated because of um, what he thought the problem was. And now he's in this with Mary together. And he, as a, a thinking man, what a privilege. I now have the opportunity to be involved in um, the, an influence in the, this amazing little boy that's going to be born. It just occurred to me that Joseph was not prepared to follow someone else's experience. He needed the experience himself. Now, that's so important about Christianity, I think. We can, be, we can listen to someone else's story and think, well, you know, that's, that's a really nice story. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> um, but that's not, that's not good enough. We really need to have our own experience of God. And Mary and Joseph had their own individual experiences. Joseph wasn't prepared to just accept what Mary had been told. It's like he was craving his own experience that would corroborate it. And I would just say, you know, if, if there's any of us in that situation where... You know, I can relate to being built, uh, brought up in a, in a Christian family where, frankly, I can't remember not being a believer. You know, it's kind of always just taken for granted that, well, my mum and dad believe it, so it must be true, and they've taught me, so it must be true. But <coughs> I have many uh, memories of many occasions where um, I really was confronted myself with the power of God's word, even as a child. And perhaps not so much when, when I was, uh, the point at which I was saved, which in my mind somehow is a bit vague. Um, but certainly when I had decided to be baptized, that was a personal conviction that I wanted to do, not because I'd been told it was a good thing to do or I should do it, but because I'd come to know the Lord Jesus as my savior. and. Um, I knew the right response from my heart for me was to acknowledge his love for me by showing my love for him. And I, I just take that, I hope I'm not stretching the story a bit, but I just take that as a lesson from Joseph's experience. He wasn't prepared to act and, and, and move into a life that was based on a second-hand experience. He wanted to act upon it himself. Um, it says the angel of the Lord appeared and I, I just how did he know um, it says it was in a dream I just again another element of Joseph's um, the way he was is he was sensitive to God's voice and sometimes we um, we crowd out God's voice we might be hearing something and thinking I don't, I don't want to hear that you know, it's not really what I wanted to hear. Clearly, that wasn't the case for Joseph. It, it was exactly what he wanted to hear. But 
I think there's also a lesson that he was a man of integrity, an Orthodox Jew, uh, following the right processes, um, making lifelong commitments, and in the process he was sensitive to knowing God speaking to him. And that also is how Christianity works. Um, the Lord Jesus said that, uh, he was saying this to his disciples before he uh, went to Calvary and then uh, ascended to heaven after his resurrection, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit was to, uh, is today to convict us, that is to challenge our hearts. And I would just say, do you know the challenge of the Holy Spirit in your heart? I do. And it comes in all kinds of ways. It comes just more often these days from just enjoying God's word. Something comes out of the Bible that is very special and it's the Holy Spirit prompting me to accept it. But conscience as well. You know, if, if there's something not right, then it's the Holy Spirit that convicts me that that isn't right and needs to be sorted out. So I, I would just leave that thought with you as well. If, you know, you, you may have heard this kind of message many, many times, but and not really had satisfaction or a resolution or an outcome from it, I would just encourage you to think about Joseph and his conviction that what he was hearing was God's word and he needed to respond to it. And we'll come to his response in a second. What was the message? Um, the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David. It's a real contrast to Joseph, husband of Mary. <laughs> um, actually, that's not my own invention. If you go to the previous paragraph, which is the end of the genealogy, it describes Joseph as son of Jacob, husband of Mary. Um, the angel didn't come to him and say, Joseph, husband of Mary, as Joseph, son of David. And it's just a nod to the royal ancestry of David and, and confirmation. Because Joseph would have known that the Messiah would have been of the line of David. And it's confirmation, you know, don't forget who you are, Joseph. Your, your credentials are right for this great privilege. I also think there's probably some significance in, in them going to Bethlehem. In the Christmas story that you see on Christmas cards, you kind of get the, the idea that they went to Bethlehem to register, and that was it. Actually, I think they upsticked, upsticks and went to Bethlehem to live. And that was part of um, this um, consensus. And the wise men visited them in Bethlehem. Um, and it was probably a couple of years later. And then they, they left Bethlehem and went to Egypt. They, they um, were refugees or trying to escape, not refugees, but trying to escape um, Herod. And so went to Egypt. So you have this sense that, that um, Joseph was aware of his royal line and that brought with it some responsibility and obligations. It's just a thought that, that might be interesting to think as they to follow through as they went to Bethlehem. And of course, it um, helped consolidate the message that the angel was giving him. Don't be afraid to, to take Mary home as your wife. And what a relief. This was a promise that Joseph's integrity, 
as a committed Orthodox Jew would not be compromised. So that first thing about, I'm going to have to divorce Mary that was, to, to preserve my own reputation, that was something he ought not to worry about. <coughs> and then the last part of the message, what is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And it's Mary's uh, unbelievable story now confirmed and corroborated by God himself in, in Joseph's experience. You can just see him as a changed man, can't you? Um, so concerned, so devastated at, at what seemed to be going on, and now um, completely relaxed, more than that, excited at the prospect of what was going to be his privilege. A little bit about the boy with the, the little boy with the big calling. The angel said that you, uh, Mary will give birth to a son. And I just love that reality of the Lord Jesus as a, um, a developing embryo. And then Mary gave birth to a little boy and he had exactly the same life experience in terms of human development as, as we do. Uh, just a, a wonderful thought for us to reflect on. And he was to be called Jesus. You are to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And there's his calling. It's the Messiah. And he would be called Jesus because Jesus means God saves. As I said earlier, it's the Greek um, version of Joshua. What does it mean? <laughs> he will save his people from their sins. What? How do you get saved from your sin? And that really is the gospel message, isn't it? It's about God's justice needing to be satisfied and God being holy means that sin cannot go unpunished. It's a little bit about like Joseph's attitude to, to the news about Mary. He couldn't let that go un, unaddressed. But here, um, we're seeing the role, the calling of the Lord Jesus was to address a problem that can't go unaddressed, and it's the problem of sin. And um, how did he do that? Well, by living a faultless life that meant he had no sin that need to be needed to be dealt with in his case. But God's justice was satisfied by um, allowing his wrath and the punishment for all the sin of mankind to be poured out on his son, the Lord Jesus. And that's really the heart of the gospel message, the Christian gospel message. It's about this little boy, Jesus, a real human being, but with um, a divine origin, God incarnate, and he's come to deal with the problem of sin. It's a, an interesting um, statement made by the apostle Peter when he was visiting um, a Roman soldier called Cornelius. We read about it in Acts chapter 10. And Peter says to Cornelius, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
No, there's a difference between me forgiving you and me forgiving sin. It's a subtle difference, but it's important. Um, the Lord Jesus asked his disciples that they should pray that they would um, f forgive each other. F forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, that, that's not sin being dealt with. The sin's still there. We may have forgiven each other, but in God's, for God's justice to be satisfied, the sin has to be punished. That's what it's about. And um, that's why when the, the, the Pharisees were right, when they said, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven several times, they said, no one can forgive sins except God. And they were right because only God can forgive sins. But take Acts 10 and 43 and, and mull it over. All the prophets, it's the Old Testament prophets, testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It's a lovely reference to the name Jesus. And then back to uh, Matthew 1, and he will be Emmanuel, God with us. I just imagine the arrival in the stable at Bethlehem or at some kind of animal house and he's got this little baby and there's Joseph and Mary and it's they know because of the divine revelation that it's God with us and um, what, what, what a wonder um, and then the last point really about Joseph is of course he did it says he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him that's following God's instructions. It's part of Joseph's integrity. Um, he was convinced he'd heard the voice of God. No question about that. And it was clear what he should do to take uh, Mary to be his wife and to call the little boy Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Just a, um, a couple more scriptures. I'm, I'm a, we'll, we'll move the clock forward 30 years. So now... Jesus is a, a mature man and the little boy with the big calling is now a man on a mission. And we go to Mark 6. Mark 6 verse 1 to 3. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? And he even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Interesting that Joseph, the husband of Mary, doesn't get a mention. So that suggests that he's gone off the scene, died. Um... You know, why did he die? Well, his job was done. And we don't know the extent to which he was involved in the upbringing of the Lord Jesus, but it's just a little point in passing. Um, on a related um, note, what, he had siblings, that, that's very clear. And anyone who says that somehow Mary, you know, remained not having any other children or even remained a virgin is not true because we have it in black and white here, not only that she had children, but who they were. 
But what did they think of him? And we go to John 7. We were here a couple of weeks ago, I think, with, um, I think it was Giles' ministry, John 7 and 3. Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. It's hard, isn't it, to imagine how that they could be brought up with him. This little boy with a big mission, sorry, a big calling, now a man on a mission. And somehow in this passage in John, you get the sense they respected that he was on a mission. But it was just kind of a, his own agenda. And it says clearly they didn't believe in him. It's a wonderful punchline to this story. If you go to the book of James, chapter 1, and consider how James, who is the half-brother of the Lord, so James is Mary's son, Mary and Joseph's son, I think, and he describes himself, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't describe himself as a, a brother of Jesus, but a servant of God and a servant of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a servant of Jesus, not a servant of Jesus Christ, but a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James, not in his youth, but presumably after, um, well, after the Lord had started his public ministry at least, um, he came to understand that this little boy had a very special calling and now he was, James was his servant. Go to Jude, chapter 1. Now, this is a recent discovery for me. I didn't realise that Jude, who wrote the letter, is Judas, um, listed in um, Mark 6 as one of Jesus' brothers. So, I don't know whether you've heard that before, but that seems to be what tradition says. And um, the way he introduces himself, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, uh, again, um, wanting to somehow elevate the person of Jesus. Um, not, not, he's not my brother uh, in the sense James is my brother, but he's my Lord and I serve him. It's just a, a wonderful twist in the story, isn't it, as to how Jesus' siblings um, came to realise who he was. The question is, who are you? If you were writing a letter, if you were James or if you were Jude, how would you describe yourself? And John, John the Apostle has a, a wonderful expression. He describes himself as a disciple whom Jesus loves. And I think that's what I would like to, to think of myself. <coughs> Joseph maybe one day is going to introduce himself to me as, uh, hi, I'm Joseph, I'm the, the husband of Mary. Um, I'm a disciple who Jesus loves and John said that six times in his gospel and I just want to leave that with you how would you describe yourself and it's down to what you think of this little boy with the big calling or the man with the mission um, just some reflections on the Christian on the Christmas story thank you